0: Well, truly we are blessed, and it's wonderful to see everybody taking joy in each other today. And that's the way we should be when we unite as Christian believers. Amen. We should take delight in each other. Amen. We should help those who are hurting. We should take joy when people are having joy and rejoice. In fact, the book where our servant's coming from today is about rejoicing. It's one of the main themes of Philippians, so you were doing a good job acting out Philippians today. Amen? <laughs> But we've been talking about goals, and going into uh, from last week, um, I quoted some things on goals, but I want to repeat the one from Billy Graham and J.I. Packer and even Martin Luther's again, because we need to reflect on what our goals should be as Christians. And not just at the beginning of New Year, but we we need to evaluate our lives time and time again. As I read from Jonathan Edwards, he, he had a process of evaluation daily, weekly, monthly, yearly, to look over his spiritual life to see where he could... Do live for and glorify God better. And now those are some of the things we should think about too. But while he was with us, Billy Graham once said, make sure of your commitment to Jesus Christ and seek to follow him every day. Don't be swayed by the false values and goals of this world, but put Christ in his will first in everything that you do. Now, if you ever watched Billy Graham's sermons, he really meant what he said. And he really lived that and God blessed him with 96 years. On this earth, J.I. Packer won uh, his great book, Knowing God. And again, like I said last week, I encourage everybody to get a copy of that book. Knowing God is one of the books that were very influential in my spiritual life, and many others, many other Christians, uh, to help with their commitment to God. But what he says early in the book was, What were we made for? How often have you and I wondered, What am I here for, Lord? <laughs> you know? Why am I here? You ask out of frustration when things are going bad. Why me? (laughs) Well, we have the answer. What were you made for? To know God. What aim should we have in life? Or what goal should we have in life? To know God. What is the eternal life that Jesus gives? To know God. What is the best thing in life? You hear that? What is the best thing in life? To know God. Now you want to make God happy, here's how you do it. What in human gives God the most pleasure? Knowledge of himself. It's a relationship that goes back and forth. You know, and I do want to think about sacrifice. I do want to think about commitment as I speak today. Because Martin Luther once wrote, A religion that gives nothing, costs nothing, and suffers nothing is worth nothing. Those are impactful words. Your faith in Christ, how far does it extend? Does it just extend a little over one hour on Sunday morning? In this generation, what's happening right now, there is a lot of anti-God happening out there right now in the United States of America. Christians, we got to do better. we got to show the light of Jesus Christ in the, to this world. We need to have that gospel zeal. And if we don't have it right now, then we need to pray for revival. Paul had an ambition. Paul had one goal. He kept it simple. Paul had all the abilities and talents of any man. He was a genius who walked the face of this earth. But he simplified his life. I have only one goal. And my aim is reaching forward to the prize of the high calling in Christ Jesus later on in this chapter you look down at verse 17 and he says mimic me imitate me if you can't get your walk right do what i do is what paul is saying because i know how to walk with christ paul's saying "As i've been doing this for 30 years now time philippians was written paul had been a believer knocked down off his horse on the Damascus Road for 30 years. But he writes in this chapter like just like he became a, a Christian yesterday. And as I said, Jesus Christ is the ultimate goal in our salvation. I spoke some on that last week. But you have to know and understand that salvation is a process. Yes, conversion is a one-moment experience. This is true. But your salvation is a journey. Your salvation, your baptism is the beginning. You don't just step in and say, okay, I don't ever have to do anything again. I I would be very suspicious if you ever came to Christ at all. If you had no interest in the things of God after your supposed conversion. If you look at the history of the great saints and their conversions, you see they were instantaneous. You see that they were full of zeal. The man I mentioned earlier, Jonathan Edwards, when he was converted at 19, he said, I got a new sense of things. My life changed. My direction turned around. You know, that's what the word repentance means in the Greek. It's a change of mind that leads to a change of direction. When Jesus saves you and the Holy Spirit takes residence in your heart, you cannot but change. I remember years ago when I got baptized. I was afraid when I got saved because I thought my mom was going to be mad at me. Well, actually, she took joy in that. You know, so... And then I was afraid to ask her when I was 11 years old. Well, can I get baptized? She's definitely going to say no to that. <laughs> but she said yes. And I remember riding the car on the way home. And I said, "Oh Lord, please don't ever let my hair dry." <laughs> I kid you not. I prayed that prayer. <laughs> Lord, I don't ever want my hair to dry. <laughs> this is a little 11-year-old mind. But I was so excited. You know, we can only wish for that joy sometimes because life does bring its heartaches. Life does bring its hurts. It brings its pains. But has Jesus ever really left us in all those times? Come on now. I mean, let's look at the life of Paul. Let's look at where he started. Although I have confidence in the flesh, if anyone thinks he has grounds for confidence in the flesh, I have more. Talking about his flesh, talking about who he was before he came, into, came to Christ. Circumcised the eighth day, that's perfect for, for a Jew. The nation, circumcised the nation of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew, born of Hebrews, regarding the law of Pharisee. And oh, he was the best of the best of the Pharisees. He was rising above his ranks, regarding zeal, persecuted the church. Regarding keeping the laws. the Pharisees understood it, he said he was blameless. But Paul did have blame. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And all he thought was doing good, doing the devil's work, destroying and allowing Christians to be killed, the most notable was Stephen. The Lord stopped him in his tracks. And Paul, you are to blame. You're not kicking against me anymore. We have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. The wages of sin is death. But the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And he is the only way to eternal life. When Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, no one comes to the Father but through me. He didn't open up any other roads for you and me, whereby we could get to heaven someday. There are none. But for you and me, salvation is a process. And if it starts at the beginning, but you go ahead and look over at chapter 2, and verse 12, he says, Therefore, my dear friends, just as you have always obeyed, so now, not only in my presence, but even more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. That's verse 12. Notice he says, work out your salvation. He did not say, work for your salvation. You cannot earn this gift. You cannot do enough works outside of Christ to even come close to earning this gift. And John Wesley, before he became a Christian, understood that the hard way. When he got on a boat with Moravians at a storm at sea and he thought he was going to die, he watched the Moravians have such joy in singing praise to God when their boat was about to get tipped over. And John Wesley knew at that moment if that boat had tipped over, he would spend eternity separated from God. And even then, John Wesley was doing mission work in the American colonies and stuff. He was doing good works, but he didn't know Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior. It wasn't two months later when he was sitting in a meeting, not a church meeting so much, but it was just a reading. Somebody was reading Martin Luther's commentary on Romans, and you got the famous statement I felt my heart strangely warmed. And John Wesley. Was a changed man from that point on, as history has shown. Salvation. We don't work for our salvation. It comes when the Holy Spirit works and convicts our heart. And we must say, Yes, Lord, when that comes. Conviction is not salvation. You must give an answer. Let your answer be, Yes, Lord. That is the best answer that you can give when the Spirit calls. Now, look at verse 13. And all that, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Basically that's saying, work out your salvation with reverence and awe. Do you have a high view of God? Why do I love those hymns I was talking about a little bit ago? Because they have a high view of God. They present Him like Isaiah 6. I saw the Lord high and lifted up and His train filled the temple. But some people think they carry God in His back pocket. That's disrespectful. That's not who God is jesus sits at the right hand of god the father he is holy he is holy he is holy and he must be treated as such there is no greater friend than jesus that's true but we always treat god with reverence and awe what does god do for us then For it is God who is working you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. God is giving you everything inside you to work out what he's put in. He's done it for you already and me. Again, it's incumbent upon us as Christians to say, yes, Lord, and do what he's called us to do. Remember what Billy Graham said, put everything aside. Put aside the values and the goals of this world. Make your life be committed to Jesus Christ day by day. Now, let's look at Jesus Christ as the ultimate goal in our ambition. And we'll switch over and talk about some of the things we're going to look forward to in the coming year. But uh, in verse 13 and 14 of chapter 3, um, Paul says, Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself to have taken hold of it. What is that? It was talking about the prize of the high calling in Christ Jesus. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and reaching forward to what is ha- ahead, I pursue my goal for the prize promised by God's heavenly call in Christ Jesus, forgetting the things that are behind. Well, what things, what kind of things is Paul talking about in this cha- in this uh, section, in this chapter? Um. You know, we can look at the worldly ambition. We can look at master ambitions for people. The world likes, people in the world like popularity and fame. A lot of people are there. But you know, a lot of people get it, and they mess up. Many people like power. They want influence over others. They live for that. Sadly, in many places in our nation today, people think the influence of power means control people rather than serve the people, giving new meaning to the term public servant. But that's an overly selfish ambition. If you and I have power and stuff, we're to use it for the glory of God. We are to use it in respect to him, which should lead to a proper respect for others as well. Or wealth. Look, seeking to acquire wealth in and of itself is not sinful. But the question is, can it become sinful? Well, if Jesus said wealth can become your God, then we must say, yes, it can. And yes, the book of James. If you look, if you read the book of James, and you see the way he writes about rich people in this world, they were misusing their wealth to take advantage of other people, especially. If it was affecting the Christians in a very, very bad way. When these things focus on self, that's a sign that if a Christian's doing that, they're definitely not walking with Christ. You can read about Lot in Genesis chapter thirteen. You can learn something about what Lot did because he made a mistake. When it came to wealth, it affected him and his family the rest of his life. We must have a better ambition. 2 Corinthians 5.9 says, We make it a point to honor and please Christ. Whatever Christ has given you and me, we should be using it in a way to be glorifying him to honor and please him. If the world is going to see us as different it is very necessary that we be acting and using our gifts that he has given us in this way to honor and please Christ. What is our goal? What is our ambition? What is our Christian ambition? Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. How is that righteousness of Christ working out in you and me? We only can come to God because of the righteousness of Christ. There is no other means, no other way we have. But the righteousness of Christ. I hate to disappoint you, but you're not that good. The Bible doesn't present you and me as that good. You and I are not all that. It is human pride that wants to be all that. It's the very sin of Eve, Adam and Eve in the garden. Oh, you're gonna know good and evil, because you're gonna be like God. You and I are not all that. Live and walk in this world humbly. We must do that. Learn to live and walk in this world as Jesus taught us to walk. And let us look at forgetting the things of the past. And let's talk about some of that. What things should we forget? Well, things of, forget things of your Christian past. Paul said up here, he said, look, I count all that stuff before as dumb. And that is the worst kind of trash. And it, like I said last week, it goes even into the realm of human waste. That's what that word dung means in the Greek. It's a very serious word. And Paul said, how could you trash all that, man? You were the man, Paul. You were the dude. You were all that. No, Paul knew he was not all that. And he did some terrible things as a result of it. Things from the pre-Christian life. Now that you're a Christian, you have been saved from the penalty, the penalty, and the power of sin. And one day you and I are going to be saved from the presence of sin. When either we go meet Jesus in heaven or he comes back for us. It's going to be a rough journey at times. But one day it's going to happen. He's going to come. Amen. And when he does. The presence of sin will be gone. And yes we will say amen to that. <laughs> Isn't Jesus' love and forgiveness enough for you and me to forget our sins of the past? Now, Paul has some moments in his writings where he regretted what he had done to Stephen, for instance. But nevertheless, he didn't let it, let it bog him down. I want you to understand something when discouragement comes your way. If the discouragement that comes your way does not lead you to follow a closer walk with Christ, then you better know it's coming from the enemy because one of the enemy's purposes is to keep you in despondency, Amen. to keep you in discouragement. To keep you down so you are completely ineffective for the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the difference of how you tell between something the Lord might want you to confess, because the Lord's purpose is for you to grow in better relationship with him. The devil's purpose is to knock you down. Mm -hmm. And one of the best ways he does is that through despondency and discouragement. And I'll tell you what, if you've ever read the book uh, Pilgrim's Progress, which you should read... There is a great section in there about this very thing when he got stuck. Christian is his name. Got stuck in the slow of despondency. What a great name for a great place. He got stuck in the mud is what it means. And he got stuck in the mud because he got discouraged and he couldn't find his way out of it until one day a miracle happened. And he found his way out and went on to serve the Lord. That's how it is in our life, family. That's how it is in your Christian journey if you know the Lord. Forget things in your Christian past, pre-Christian past, as Paul did. And forget about things in our Christian experience as well. Things from our Christian experience. We are not perfect. We struggle with the sin nature every day. It's still there with us. Now, Romans 16, 6, 14 talks about that the power of sin has been broken in our life, but it does not say that it cannot come and influence us sometimes. It just means that it's not going to have dominion over you and me anymore. But we are still capable of sinning. But we have to move on from our sins and failures. Live by this, what I'm about to tell you. And I do want to say this to all Christians here too. If a Christian sins, and Christians do gravely sin, you be a help. You don't blackball. You you don't put them down. You don't destroy their spiritual life. We may never see them again. Then you have sinned. Spiritual people... Come and, guys, stand beside like, walk with them, and bring them back to faith. Like Galatians 6, 1 and 2 says. Bear one another's burdens, so fulfill the law of Christ. That's Galatians 6, 2. But remember this, that Jesus Christ died for the sins of Christians, too. All right? Don't ever think you're better than your brother and sister. Don't ever think that. You do that, you're set for a fall. You're set for a fall. And what about the sins others have committed against us? Well, they did that to me. (laughs) Paul writes in Ephesians 4.32, Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving each other, just as God in Christ Jesus has forgiven you. Having an unforgiving spirit is like putting a ball and chain on yourself. You will not grow spiritually spiritually. And you will become more bitter and bitter as time goes on. You're not going to affect the person that much that you're not forgiving toward. They don't know what's going on with you, they don't know why you have the attitude. I'll tell you what Jesus had a far greater case against us than you have against anybody who walks the face of this earth. Be forgiving, family. Be forgiving. Forgetting our parents' successes. If we focus on our own achievements, and we don't get past it and start moving on, we're blindsided to some of the other things that we might be able to do to better the work of God. Let me tell you a story about a fellowship I came from when I was a seminarian years ago. Every time they had their meeting, meetings in May, you always heard about this Texas hotel. we had a the Texas hotel meeting when this all started 50 years ago. You, know, you would think that God never checked out of the hotel. I mean, that's how it was. I mean, Okay, if, I'm sure every Texan in this room would agree. I said, you think God is still in Texas and never left? So if we, I was have you Texans in here, but God is everywhere. God is moving in his world. But where are we in relation to that move? Where are we? We Forgetting the things of the past. Now, we learn from the past and are valued. Things that are valuable from the past. This chapel has some great and exciting times in the past, I'm sure, and some of them I have heard about. But we've got to look ahead. It's time. It's time for some new things, and actually some of these things, many of them aren't new. You've done them before. But it's time to do them again. And it's exciting for you and me that we're part of it. We're going to do some great things in the day ahead. Let me just go ahead and I'll talk to you about some of those right now. Number one priority, in my mind, is to restart a youth ministry. We need a youth ministry. We have two organizations in mind and the meetings are starting this coming week. So hopefully in the coming days we'll have an announcement for you. We want to reach sailors families. We want to reach single sailors too. This is our mission. We call it a chapel. Many of you consider it a church in your house, but the bottom line is this chapel is a mission. And it's a mission to those sailors in those barracks that are right next door to us. It's a mission to the families who have children and stuff who live in some of the housing units right here that we want to reach. But we have to have things for them in our church. You know, we've got to bring our ministry to the sense to the 21st century of what we're doing to reach people. Let us work together to do that. We're going to fully support and enhance in any way we can our existing Bible classes. We have men's study. Unfortunately, the men's study isn't where it should be right now. Hopefully, we can get more men involved to assist Larry with that. Uh, we have a good women's Bible study. I came here to work to go to the gym yesterday, and there was a women's Bible study group going on, and I was like, I didn't know this was happening, but I said amen to myself. It was great on Saturday. We want more. This place, we want this place a lot. We want these buildings, these rooms filled. With people learning about Christ, making disciples, people surrendering to Jesus Christ, salvation, or, or following God's call one day in the ministry. I'd like to start periodic Sunday school classes. These classes would be used with video. We would have discussion afterward. I have done this in two other churches. Uh, it's been great. People love them. I'd have to do it periodically. Some of this is going to be based on what happens with Chaplain Stanley in the days ahead. He will move. And I may not get a replacement. That, thing, that will make it difficult. But we will try. I can do this. This, isn't, this piece isn't hard, but uh, I'll look forward to doing that. Of course those announcements will be made. Now we also have to have a stronger media emphasis. The mirror is pretty much gone. There is going to be no more Mayport mirror. So if somehow that thing comes to your house and stuff, it will be no more at the end of this month. So we have to find other ways to advertise. Well, we have Facebook. We have our Facebook page. Uh, We are going to bring it alive again, announce our service times. We have over 900 followers on that page, but the one place I want to focus on too is the command page. There are over 14,000 followers on on that. And we're also going to make video spots in there too. So we're going to enhance. We're going to put some power into our advertising. And Lord willing, we can grow that way as well. Um, former journalism major I am. I'm a communications guy. I, I can't live without communications. <laughs> and if you're wondering why I have my cell phone with me right now, I am taping this sermon because every week I put these on Anchor, F, Anchor FM app. And it goes out to Apple Music, Google Play, Spotify. If you want to hear the sermons, I've got about five up there now. All you've got to do is go to their search on those sites I mentioned and type in Mayport Chapel by the sea. You will pull them up. I have tested this. So you can listen, you can have a repeat of my sermon today. <laughs> if you go to those sites and just type in Mayport Chapel by the sea. Um, I haven't got a ton of listens yet, but it's going to grow slowly. But I, I haven't announced it that much either. But we're going to do these things in hopes of growth. And the goal is to get the message of Jesus Christ out to the world. And that's the nice thing about those. They go out worldwide. <laughs> they do. In um, areas of support. We want to be contributing religious organizations that propagate the gospel I want organizations that do good deeds and good things but there has to be a plus to that we are a Christian chapel we do religious offering funds and stuff we must consider who we give to are they sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ with people around the world I think of groups like Samaritan's Purse Um, I think about groups like my own uh, Southern Baptist Disaster Relief these people come in, and, they're, and not only are they doing disaster relief, but they're sharing the good news of Jesus Christ with people. We have to evaluate. Now, we're going to have a meeting on the 27th, and I invite everybody to attend. This is not a closed-door meeting. But we will talk about giving, but I hope you all keep these purposes in mind, that our giving goes to people who are getting the good news around the world. This is very important in this day we live. Now, we have a chapel ministry, and the other thing I wanted to say for number six here. Um, We are going to, as chaplains here, work on facilitation for other faith groups because that's what we chaplains do. Now, your giving does not go to that. We get that from command command funds. But we're going to be putting a prayer room for people of any faith. Uh, That's already been worked on. Hopefully in the the next, I hope in a month from now, it's ready to go. But it's a prayer room for people to go in and pray of of other faiths or Christians can. Well, but we we have a lot of Christian flavor around here. We have to facilitate for others. We're working that. That Your funds do not contribute to that, but I'm just letting you know what our ministry is doing. And number seven, because we've got to have number seven for completion. If you don't have a number seven, you haven't got it all right. But I do. I ask for unity. I really do. I ask that you pray in the coming weeks that we be united as congregation as we go and we forge forward and do and accomplish our work and our mission for Jesus Christ. We can't be stuck in the past. We can learn from the past and we can learn some things from the past at work and we can tweak them or do whatever to make them work in our time. But this is our time. And all of you here are part of this time. Your presence, your contribution matters. And I do ask it in your heart and soul that you will be, we will be, united and looking ahead and, and, and trying to reach these goals together. And let us see where God takes us with growth. I want to say, the last two weeks, the numbers have been wonderful here. I hope we grow. I joked last week about preaching to, uh, to Oak. <laughs> but I like to see flesh and blood in the pews. But we need that because we know if that happens, maybe more people are coming to know Jesus Christ as the Lord and Savior. And that's what we're about. Let us look ahead. Let us forge ahead together. And finally, let's just have a, a perspective, um, a proper perspective on our ambition for our works. You know, verse 17, Paul wrote uh, Join in imitating me, brothers and sisters, and pay careful attention to those who live according to the example you have in us. Now, we, military people, c- current and former, would understand this because basically it's a military phrase Paul's using, following the pattern. And it's dealing like with a military formation that we're in formation and we are marching together. That we are united. We are doing but one thing I do, reaching for the high calling of Christ Jesus together. We're not going to do what Paul wrote in Philippians chapter 4, where he said, I urge Eodi and Sintiki to agree in the Lord. These two got to fight with each other. They weren't united. And Paul says, I beg you to get back together and make it right. The work of Christ depends on it. It demands it. Jesus Christ is the ultimate goal in our works. Let us work together. Martin Luther once wrote that we are saved by faith alone, but not by a faith that is alone. Since Jesus came into your heart, what has happened with you? What have you done with that since then? Paul, after 30 years, was working and doing everything with the same zeal he had the same day he started with Christ. We shouldn't lose that zeal. Look at Ephesians 2.8. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, not a result of works that, that in no way one would boast. Now, I will say that to you. My denomination through the years is love to stop at verse 9. And act like verse 10 never existed. I'm going to read verse 10 to you and think about this for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared beforehand so we should walk in them we have that opportunity let us rise to the occasion and get the work done together Titus 2.14 talks about Christ who gave, himself for, who gave himself for us to redeem us from every lawless deed and to purify for himself a people for his own possession. Oh, we like that part, but we may not like this part. Zealous for good deeds. If you let God work in you what he has put in you, he will lead you in this direction. You know, I love some of the quotes of the saints of old, and I encourage you to read some of them. I love the name Count Nicholas von Zinzendorf. What a great name. (laughs) I'm glad it's not my name, but it's a great name. He was the founder of the Moravians, and he said, I have but one passion. It is he and he alone. And he is talking about Jesus there. I have but one passion. What is your passion? What is mine? Early American missionary David Brainerd, Died at 29. For the years he was a missionary, the four years he he did it all on horseback with tuberculosis. How did he do it? His journal is there. You can get the life of David Brainerd. It's amazing. But he wrote, I cared not how or where I lived or what hardships I endured so that I could but gain souls for Christ. Family, what is our purpose? What is our purpose? we got to have a single purpose. Reformer John Knox, one of the greatest lines ever, give me Scotland or else I die. <laughs> and he was talking about give, us, give me Scotland for Christ or else I die. What passion. I ask everybody during the week, in the coming weeks, pray. Let us pray together. Let us pray for the It's not all about me. It's not all about Chaplain Stanley. Because God speaks and God uses you too to share wisdom with us. And we want your wisdom we invite that this is not a closed operation but what is important is unity and togetherness and let us keep that single focus and purpose this but one thing I do amen our gracious God you truly are good and we thank you for what we have in this message that you give us that one purpose You give us that high calling in Christ Jesus. And as we read the writings of Paul here, forgetting those things that lie behind and reaching forward to the prize of the high calling of Christ Jesus. Lord, we ask that you will work with this chapel, work with all of us together as a unified body that we may see where we may go and grow together in the days ahead. Lord, we trust you for that. Lord, we trust you to bring souls here who need Jesus Christ. Lord, we need to see people saved. Lord, the devil is doing some great work in destroying people's lives in our day. And Lord, the church must rise. We must come together and band together to once again know and and propagate and live the gospel of Jesus Christ in this fallen world. Lord, I do pray there's people out there you might call, may have special callings for and stuff. And when the Holy Spirit moves in people's life, help us respond with those two words. Yes, Lord. And Lord, we give thanks for this word and may you may go out, whether by media or what happened here today, and change lives. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.
1: Amen.